0: must show their support for uh, Ulster being members of the United Kingdom uh, especially in the light of the Anglo-Irish Agreement which is the dirty road to an all Ireland system which would be whether we like it or not honour uh, dominion from the Roman Catholic Church and we all know what happens to countries that end up like that invariably if, if one looks at the the Latin Americas, it, it is rampant with pestilence and disease and illiteracy, and everything which would be uh, a third world system, and of course, if you think it's, uh, the, the place is bad now, you would just have to go downhill all the way if it was an all-Ireland state under the dominion of the Vatican.
1: We have to stick together. We have to keep fighting ourselves to keep our traditions. Um, Ulster wouldn't be the same without the Twelfth Day.
2: You just worry about your children. I worry about your grandchildren, if anything should happen to them and that, you know. But um, people in the area... We don't sleep very well. We're just alert. We'll be alert. There'll be a lot of people, especially near, so near the fringe, won't even go to bed tonight. Because once we hear the drums going and the sky getting red, we know they're on the march, and we don't know what's in their mind when they get the drop of the crater. <laughs>
3: Every year, thousands of Protestants march in Northern Ireland on the 12th of July to the beat of drums and pipe bands proclaiming the orange message, No Surrender. The orange men and women are celebrating an event that took place nearly 300 years ago, the Battle of the Boyne, and it's a time when emotions run high. The 12th is a celebration of victory over what is perceived as a force for evil, the Roman Catholic Church. Papal Rome is described in popular Protestant lore as a seat of the beast. But while Orange Lodges are celebrating victory, there's also a sense of insecurity and a yearning for the past. Both fear and supremacy combine together as potent ingredients in the celebration of the Twelfth. The Orange Order was founded in 1795 and only Protestants can become members of an Orange Lodge. This account describes how the Orange Lodge was founded. On a June evening in 1784, James Wilson of the Dian was returning from a funeral when he was attacked by a rebel mob. On his way home, he vowed to his companions he would start a movement that would spread far beyond that little village. He formed an association which he named the Orange Boys, and 15 months later, following the Battle of the Diamond in 1795, James Wilson, pioneer of the Orange Boys, when setting up the First Lodge, nicked his wrist drew blood and with a piece of twig wrote Diane Number 1 on a piece of paper. Recent 12 celebrations have been used to demonstrate Protestant opposition to the Anglo-Irish agreement. Usually an effigy of the Pope is placed on the top of the bonfire on the night before the 12th and burnt. However, in recent years the tricolour has replaced the Pope as a figure of hate. In times past an effigy of Eamon de Valera was burnt on the bonfire in a leaflet called proud to be protestant the author allan campbell lists nine reasons why one should be proud to be protestant these range from we are proud to be protestant because we reject the concept of confession We are proud to be Protestant because we reject the Popish Mass. And the ninth and final reason is given as We are proud to be Protestant because we are loyal British patriots. The Church of Rome is the undying foe of our civil and religious liberty and throughout history has sought to subjugate this Protestant nation to her evil will. And the Reverend Martin Smith, Grand Master of the Grand Lodge of Ireland, says in a comment on the 12th this year... Let us therefore heed the call to turn away from the two hours of perversion, Rome are red, and towards the hour of enlightenment, reformed. The evocation of wrongs, real or imagined, by Protestants of the Orange Lodge are part and parcel of the Twelfth celebrations.
4: Again, the crafty serpent, home appears in view. Supported by vile traitors, who would wish us to subdue? But be you watchful, firm unite, and together let us join As did our noble fathers with King Billy at the vine For we never will surrender in sunshine or in storm as our cause we'll defend it and guard it from all harm. When danger round us over, together we will join as did our noble fathers with King Billy and the Boyne.
2: There are over a, a thousand marches in six weeks and six counties here. And uh, but a lot of these marches are just church marches and you would get the, maybe the trailers on, you know, the um, loyalists, Billy Boys, tagging along with them and that, you know, and they, they, they don't like it too well, you know, whenever they're um, banned from going into a nationalist area. Like, for instance, they used to come down Dunkern Gardens every year, so they don't do that now. So I think this is really what's, what's the matter with them, why they do come out and sort of take it out on us, because they're not able to march down the, the road and catcall over at us, calling us Fenian Bees and all of these other... and not mention what they do call as you know. Uh, the 12th of July to me is a commemoration
5: of uh, William III, Prince of Orange, on the 1st of July, 1690, learn the people in our country and indeed all over the United Kingdom from the force of, of tyranny and arbitrary power, which was prescribed uh, in that particular time by the Roman Catholic Church. The only institutions here, it's part of the culture of our, our Protestant people, especially here in Ulster. And We see the economic disaster, which calls themselves the Republic of Ireland, We see this economical disaster here that eventually they're going to fall and they'll be very glad to get back within the United Kingdom again. And all this comes into our Protestant heritage, our Orange heritage, our Day of Celebration because we know that we have chosen the right path. very important changes took place at the time of
6: the first Home Rule Crisis in 1886, well, what happened then? You see, and this—you get the, the 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 clear statement of this in a book called "Ulster's Stand for Union" by uh, Ron Rulm and he he points out, you see, that before that Home Rule Crisis, the Orange Order. Was well, he said, disreputable. It was just a sort of booze club. The lodges were booze clubs for Protestant working men, and nobody of any standing or respectability would belong to the Orange Order. But the crisis uh, in, of the Home the Home Rule Bill, you see, made the landlords and the industrial classes realise that here they had in the Orange Order a ready-made framework for a political movement that would destroy home rule and so they moved in and got control and linked it up with the Unionist Party. Now they don't deny, no orange man or no Unionist would deny that there has been an unbreakable link, an integration really, of the Orange Order and the Unionist Party since
5: that time. That's just over 100 years ago. We go out to see these bonfires, the significance of which some people don't seem to understand that uh, this was one way of uh, we have crossed the point now, we've burned the boats and we're not going back. Uh, this is the significance of the bonfires, that uh, indeed is symbolic of our people, the Protestant people. We have burnt the boats behind us long ago and we are not going back. So these bonfires represent the burning of boats. Seemingly, I have, been, I have read somewhere uh, that uh, some of the troops that, well, Welsh King William brought, or as he was Prince of Orange then, he brought well-trained dragoons with him and they were highly disciplined troops. But along the way, they picked up various uh, helpers, uh, local human and stuff like that. When it came to the real battle, some of them, you know, uh, speed was the best part of their valour. They got offside. So in order to stop this kind of thing, when they crossed any water, any river or that, they got the boats and they burnt them. So if they couldn't get back, they had to stay and fight. So this an the actual fact, this is the significance of the bonfire. We have burnt our boats behind us, we're going to stay, and if necessary we will fight. And this is how we start off the road tonight, to keep moving back. Now we feel the
1: heat coming. We'll have to keep moving back. The wind is boarded up. Well, at least it sticks.
7: Yeah!
8: Yeah! (laughs) That cheer
1: was for, that cheer was for the trickler finally fell among the flames. Just the way the Anglo Irish agreement's gonna fall.
2: I remember as well, I was very, very young and my mother got the whole lot of the family all up into the front bedroom. And uh, I remember looking out of the window and as I thought it was a man, they were carrying up the street and I says, Mummy, what's that, what are they doing? She says, oh, that's Dave Allera, they're going to burn him. And the three Dave are on top of the bonfire and I, it's a sight that I still have, I feel, I really, really thought it was a real man that I had threw on top of the bonfire on the flames.
3: A central part of the philosophy of the Orange Order is its pride in the Protestant religion, and this is often bound up in rituals such as the rather biblical initiation of novices. Tony Gray's book about the Order refers to some well-known orange toasts, of which the following is a composite example.
9: To the glorious, pious and immortal memory. Of the great and good King William, who saved us from popery, slavery, priestcraft and knavery, brass money and wooden shoes. And whoever denies this toast may be slammed, crammed and jammed into the muzzle of the great gun of atlone. And the gun fired into the Pope's belly, and the Pope into the devil's belly, and the devil into hall, and the door locked on the key forever in an orange man's pocket. And may we never lock a Protestant bay to kick the arse of a papist. And here's a fart for the bush of Cork.
7: A commotion like thunder then fell on my ears as the darkness dissolved in my view, and I stood in amazement to watch them prepare to bestow the bright orange and blue. To bestow the bright orange and blue. To bestow the bright orange and blue. And I stood in amazement to
10: watch them
7: prepare To bestow the bright orange and blue Then a great shining light unto me was revealed And my soul was delivered anew As I stood for my cause, my religion and laws And declared for the orange and blue And declared for the orange and blue And declared for the orange and blue As I stood for my cause, my religion and laws And declared for the orange and blue So we'll join heart and hand And like King William stand In defense of the faithful and true With the boyness as our guide Where our forefathers died We will fight for the orange and blue We will fight for the orange and blue. We will fight for
10: the orange and blue. With the boy as our guide, when our forefathers died, we will fight for the orange
7: and
5: blue. Well, the basic qualifications are that you have a sincere love and veneration for your Heavenly Father, that you are a Protestant, Uh, you came from a Protestant family, uh, there are certain dispensations, of course. There, are Some people may have had a mother uh, who had been a Roman Catholic before she was married, or a father indeed, but if those people turn to the Reformed Evangelical faith, then that's put before the Orange Institution itself. And there are many people who have that type of background. Uh, uh, but the basic qualification are that, that you have to be Protestant, and as I say, a sincere love and veneration for your Heavenly Father. Some, and a believer, of course, in the Holy Trinity, and take the ruling gate of your faith and practice as the Bible. You have to be a member of a church, uh, one of the Protestant evangelical churches, and of course you have to be seen to be a regular attender to the public worship as it's put in the book. And that is the qualifications that you need to join the Orange Institution.
0: Well, the 12th of July is very significant uh, for the world, in so much that I, as a younger person, as a Bible Protestant, can march and show the rest of the world that I am proud of the Bible and proud of my Protestant forefathers and all that they have stood for uh, against the tyranny of the Roman Catholic Church and in seeking democracy and civil and religious liberties for all. uh, It is very much a religious um, day Uh, for me. I stand up to the world and say that I love the Bible and I love the Lord. That is uh, foremost in my thoughts. Of course, it does have political connotations because religion, uh, whether people like it or not, does have certain aspects of political uh, aspirations, particularly here in the North, particularly in all of Britain. The,
5: the secret is it was once said of England's greatness. The Holy Bible, we use that as a, a guide of our faith and practice. And this is what the 12th of July means to us, commemoration of all the people, indeed, throughout the various years from 1680 to the present time who give their lives in the cause of freedom, justice, democracy.
11: Well, this Protestant friend that I run about with, he was in nothing until they put in for a job in the Daily Mirror, new factory here. And when he got the job, they asked him, was he a member of the lodge? And he told them no, and they told him to join it. And he had a join it that week, for to start working it. Some that twelfth, that July, he just walked past me as if he didn't know me. The sash, the sash had him it. <laughs> he didn't know me no more. Didn't talk to me no more. And then he left the neighbourhood. Five or six Catholics put in for it. He was a Protestant. He got the job, but he was told to join the lodge. We had about between 50 and 70 Protestants in our union at the Docks. That's the James Connolly Irish Transport and General Worker Union. And you spoke to them and you worked with them the whole year round. But when they were marching on the 12th year, they were as proud as punch. They didn't want to, didn't want to look at you. <laughs> you get that. Then you slag them about it when they come back to work. Seeing him march year the and all that.
1: To me, the Protestant faith is something that I inherited, and I'm proud to be part of it. And I'm proud to watch the Orange Men uh, march on the 12th day to give us that freedom that um, they fought, fought for in years gone back.
2: Pope, he gets a god love him and the kick the Pope. Um, but they must have a very long stretch to kick the Pope in Rome, I'll tell you that. <laughs> I don't think Pope John, uh, it annoys him in any way. And it doesn't annoy me in any way, because um, I, I really feel sorry for these people and their ignorance. Because uh, they really haven't got any more than what we nationalist people have. In fact, like they had the same housing as what we have. The only thing is maybe they had a job and they got their job through waving the Union Jack or maybe joining the Orange Order and that, you know. But they're just down-to-earth people, just like myself, and I've no hate for them in any way.
0: To realise that if you're in a nation which has an open Bible and the people obey that open Bible, then it is a nation which will prosper and flourish but if they close that book, then unfortunately they will become under dominion from a different power, which invariably uh, seeks the spiritual death of the people. And once there's spiritual death, it causes domestic and social death also. There are people trying to portray us as bigots.
5: We're nothing of the sort. Uh, this this can be borne out by the fact that uh, a person like myself, and I know Belfast particularly well, being a native of Belfast all my life of course, and travelling throughout the various parts of Northern Ireland, indeed into the South, that along the route, I see many, many people who are Roman Catholics and people that I'm pleased to call my friends. And they come out to enjoy the spectacle as well as myself, you know. So this is what the 12th of July means to me. It's a time of celebration. It's a time of celebration for all of us. And most of the Roman Catholics I know, uh, I would term them enlightened Roman Catholics because they know that the significance... Of the Battle of the Boyne, it was as much for them as it was for us. And it has to be remembered too that King William didn't only have Protestants among his troops, there were many Roman Catholic and especially Dutch troops who came along. And they were fighting for a cause that was right. And it was because of the arbitrary power of the Church of Rome, which still they retain to this present time. And I'm I, I, saying that I don't want anybody to think for one minute I'm bitterly opposed to Roman Catholic people. That is not the truth. It's a Roman Catholic hierarchy. It's a setup up of the Vatican that we see that we must always keep under surveillance and which we must at all times set out to stop the encroachments of the Roman Catholic Church in case they would overrun our country and indeed enslave and put us all into bondage. And that would be Roman Catholic and Protestant, Jew and the centre, Presbyterian, it doesn't matter. We would all fall under the yoke of the Roman Catholic bondage.
6: Story of the orange man who was dying and called for the priest. This is an old story, it's well known. And his wife was astonished. A priest, she said, Why do you want a priest? She said, Send for the priest. And when the priest, the Catholic priest, came, your man asked him to baptize him and receive him into the Catholic church, which the priest, <laughs> greatly, greatly astonished, decided, Oh, well, I'll do it. <laughs> asked to do it, I'll do it. And when the priest had gone, the, the poor man's wife said, it's a dreadful thing to do. Are you go going off your. It altogether. Not at all, he says. He says, I'm dying. It's better to one of those papish die than a good orange man.
9: All oh, our lives do spare, cried Miss O'Hare, and we will prove to you that we are not hibernians, but we're lovers of the blue. Then Miss Kenulty, she spoke up, saying, don't deny our cause. Sure, we don't regard Joe Crummy's book. For their cursed orange laws Then the bucky made a rush at them And up the hill they fled And sought their life's protection Under Barney Green's bed Per Barney wakened from his sleep It was a great surprise To see two nice young damsels Standing there before his eyes Oh, sissy, so indeed I never thought That I would have such luck when Miss O'Hare cries, Barney, dear, save us from Crummy's book. <laughs> so the he was got captured and the ladies got away. <laughs> but they'll not forget the encounter that the had upon the bray. Oh, now, ladies fair, take my advice and be forewarned by me. Be sure and have protection when returning from a spree. For in the renting season, sure, you should buy some bad luck. and Encounter on some lonely road, Joe Crummies are orange book.
5: The women's organisation is uh, right throughout the whole of Ireland too because you have the Women's Grand Lodge of Ireland. But in Belfast here, they reckon is too much of a... too hard as a journey for them, you know, to participate. In the country areas, the ladies' lodges do participate along with the men uh, and do join, the ladies' lodges turn out too. Here in Belfast, it is the decision of the women's lodges that it's too, too far, too hard a to journey for their members. As far as we would be concerned, uh, we're not uh, chauvinistic about this kind of thing. We, we would be delighted to welcome the ladies' lodges along, but they themselves feel it will be too much of a burden for them. But then we do find always that the ladies are too busy catering. Uh, number one, uh, their husbands are orange men and they're Sons are orange men, they're trying to get them on the road. Uh, you find that they're up at the field at Eden Derry, they're taking part in the catering arrangements. When you come back to the various orange halls, you find up there they have a tea ready for you. You back to the master's house, you find it. So, therefore, it would be a bit of a job to get the ladies' lodges on the road.
1: My family itself will be um, watching the parade probably around Shasbury Square. Then we'll move off to see our country bands, our own bands and lodge men. <clears throat> and lodge women who walk in the country. Unfortunately, they don't walk in Belfast. There is lodge, women lodges, but uh, they don't parade. But I'm glad to say in the country, the tradition of the women walking is still kept up and they walk. A lot of the women whose men are in the lodges um, prepare sandwiches, prepare buffets and different meals. For the large men coming home, so when you come home to a meal already sitting for you, it was it's worthwhile. The women are the backup of all the men. In fact, the women are a lot stronger than the men. They they might be up at the front, but we have to give the women their credit for um, they are busy making all the arrangements for meals. They're left in the skivvy work. Uh, Also, the men, if they're turned out well, well, it's usually a good woman behind the man that has them turned out so well. Uh, They do a lot. And even the women that are marching in the lodges have to take pride of place because not only are they trying to get themselves ready, but they have families to get ready as well. They have probably a lot of work to do. Um you often would see a lot of the women carrying their coats, their drums that are broken, bags of uh, food for their men once they get to the field. So like we are, should take a lot of credit to you that day.
10: At the chapel on Sunday by the priest on desire flop to play party play in the choir to play in the mass but the instrument shivered inside all last Bob jumped up, he leapt up and got in the slugger and dipped the filled in the glass holy water but blow as he would could make no other sound but the Protestant and and our crappies
5: lay down Many of the tunes are traditional of course you have a uh, the evergreen, and uh, maybe that's the wrong word to use, green, or ever-orange, the size my father wore, and you have Dolly's Bray, you have Derry's Walls, etc. But now we have them introducing various tunes, you know, uh, the sound of silence and stuff like that. But of course, it's nothing but sailing. Uh, when you get a lot of fellas playing flutes and banging drums, etc. But there is a great variety of tunes. We have some of the accordion bonds, and they're playing uh, tunes from various... Uh, the hit parades are various musicals which one can see in the various cinemas and theatres. It's like I heard one day about uh, a rather disgusted senior police officer uh, when lodges were coming home. Quite a lot of them were singing The Sides My Father and He got rather disgusted and he says, I'm going to stop this type of thing. Well, to me, it was an endless laugh thinking, my God, the day never done with you, boy, whenever you stop Orange Men singing The Sides My Father Wore" on the 12th of July. It's tradition to sing that and use that particular
0: tune. The whole genre is, has a particular political and religious air about it, which is concerned with Orangism. Within that you'll get, um, for example, songs about skirmishes, battles, Dolly's Bray, Derry's Walls, um, that kind kind of song. Those are common songs. You'll get also, uh, after that, you get religious songs, The Protestant Made, which is to do with transubstantiation, which is to do with, say, major religious differences between Protestants and Catholics. Yeah, you'll get uh, initiation songs as well. Those are there are quite a few of those. They're usually allegorical, and that the rituals and so forth concerned with oranges are secret. So the song is usually in the form of a dream. Everything is referred to allegorically. It's not spelt out clearly what's going on. But anyone who's who's initiated would know, but your ordinary man in the street would have no idea what's happening in the song exactly. Uh, the bag drum is essentially a war drum, and in the days of uh, the, the Orange Yeomanry, it was used symbolically, to lead men in the battle, and of course we remember that in a, a significant way even to this day. Uh, in the country lodges in particular, the lamb-bag drum is used extensively. In fact, I have been at a number of country parades in the past five years, and the, you would have a lamb-bag drummer between every other band, so the lamb-bag drum is used extensively in the in the country.
1: A good lot of the uh, tunes that are played are basically uh, Irish folk songs. There is quite a few of them. And then there's new composers that has wrote up-to-date songs, especially some would probably be to do with the Troubles.
6: These Blood and Thunder bands used to be called Kick the Pope bands, and there were always some of them. The more respectable orange men wouldn't engage... A blood and thunder band, or a kick the pope band, to go with them on the twelfth of July, uh, as well as those bands of that sort which are very easily started up if a person, get, if a group of people get a set of instruments. But there are they, there are what you call real bands. I mean, there are silver bands and brass bands, there are flute bands, and there are pipe bands, and there are bands of all sorts that um, can enter contests and hold their own in. Um, in international contests, and they are also marching on the twelfth of July along with the Orange Men. It's to, the, to these bands. It's an engagement, and of course, there are a great number of bands in the north of Ireland simply because the Orange Order provides the, the means of engagements. If there was no Orange Order, there would probably be fewer bands.
1: The lambeg drums really get your heart pumping. Um, you get them more so in the country areas, and. Uh, I feel sorry for the men at the end of the day because their knuckles are skinned with the beating of the drum. Uh, they are great. They're great to listen to. Um, I don't think there's any real <laughs> tune in the Lambig drums, but uh, you just get the beating of them. I love to hear them. I love to hear the Lambig drums. and uh, I love to hear the Blood and Thunder bands. They are something, they bring it home to you, what everything is about. Uh, The pipe bands I'm not so keen on. To me they're boring. It's the real kick the pop bands, the the ones that play the real harsh music. The sharpshooters are a good band. Uh, There's plenty of life in them, plenty of fun with them. Um, Some of them do a nice wee funny walk and play as they're walking. They're the ones that you can really, you know, hits at home.
12: Two, four, six, eight, who do we appreciate? They are, you see, the UDL, the voice of the SDS.
4: Wasn't it a lovely day Up with the IRA Wasn't it a lovely way To see the Finian Red
5: Indeed, uh, see the significance of the Twelfth of July, and, and there's a lot. And some people put it there as a holiday, and they. Many of my workmates who are Roman Catholics, they look forward to the Twelfth of July every bit as much as I do. They may be it in a different light. In fact, as a day off. As some guys would say to me, even Protestants would say, they would take a day's holiday any time, even as the Pope's birthday. You know you know how people are. I, I don't see that the Roman Catholic community have any need for concern or be, be frightened at all, because orange men always conduct themselves in a seemly manner. There, there are, of course, a hooligan element on both sides of the community, unfortunately. We can see it uh, even in parades, which is organised in the Falls Road, the parade in itself, whilst it may be illegal insofar as they don't give the proper notice to the legal authorities, uh, the parade itself is well conducted. It's after the parade that you get the hooligans coming out and they attack the security forces. Of course, we will have a hooligan element, which we do not want, along with our parades. And after the parade has gone home and all the people are away disper- dispersed peacefully, you find this hooligan element out on the street, they'll threaten the security forces. If The security forces were stupid enough to sound to say they might even invade uh, areas uh, outside their own. Uh, I mean, they say you get hooligans who have the audacity to call themselves Protestants, who would dare invade uh, another area, albeit it may be a Roman Catholic area. You'll get the same thing from the Roman Catholic angle. You'll get hooligans who dare to call themselves Roman Catholics, and they will invade the nearest Protestant community, and they'll create destruction and mayhem but I'm talking about the decent people of Northern Ireland here, be they Roman Catholic, Protestant or whatever they happen to be, who will conduct themselves in a seemly manner.
8: This
3: is the wee garden, you can see. I
8: can't open her one day at all. And it's pitch dark mm. at four o'clock in the afternoon. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and sometimes and she would cry. Like now, from that, she wasn't really sleeping. In that room, she moved in with the wee boy. She was in the room, you see, the night the windy got shattered. And she's been met in the bed an awful lot, and all from it. So she has. I heard the wee girl squealing and run up, and it's all shattered. I don't see why Catholics are frightened of
1: the twelfth. Uh, the average person isn't holding a gun in their hand. The average, the average person is striving in life for a better living for them and their children. So to be frightened of the twelfth, to me, that's propaganda.
2: I remember when I was a young child the uh, loyalists had come round collecting funds for the buntings and flags but uh, my mother was a very dedicated Catholic and she refused to contribute to these buntings. So later on that night um, there was a knock came to the door and my mother went out and there was uh, six or seven lads at the door and they were asking for my father and uh my father was a very very hard working man he was a painter decorator and he had been out working a lot so we had been sleeping on the sofa and when we just said that i'll not mention my name that my father wasn't in so about a half an hour later the same boys came to the door looking for my father and, of course, my mother was nervous nerves in case my daddy would wake up and would go out and something would happen. So at this particular time, she was expecting her fifth child. I think she was round about seven months at the time. And the, the door knocked again, so, of course, her nerves got up and she went out. And it was a, a neighbour across the street. Well, this neighbour was a, a grand marshal of the Orange Order. And he says, Mrs, not giving my name, uh, I've seen a lot of young men around the door there. Uh, could you tell me what was wrong? So my mum explains. She says, you know, as you know, I don't contribute to the buntings. I have no objection to them hanging them. But I'm a Roman Catholic. I don't contribute to anything like that. And she says, we're looking for my husband. Well, he says, um, I'll go and see and do something about this. So we come back, and he just says to her, he says, uh, rest assured, he says, you'll not be annoyed again. He says, these boys come from Taggers Bay, and he says, I haven't over And I'll talk with them, and he says, you'll not be annoyed in any way at all.
8: Well, I, I remember when I was seven and eight, and know, growing up, as I said, I was born and reared up in a Protestant area, and I used to help clack their bone wood, you know, on for the 12th, but... Um, even while we were clacking the wood we used to build a wee hut, you know, and we used to go, She's a teague, you know, get her out and all me and my brother Joe used to say, Get them two out, they're tags, you know, and there used to be you no know, F and the Pope and things. We used to win the mommy and say, What's a tag, <laughs> What's a Fenian?" But then as I say, after a few months when we were all going back to school again, things was forgotten, you know, and we were their best friends again but within them couple of months they just didn't want to know us, you know. There was only, what, I think three Catholics that lived in the area at the time, you know, the <coughs> street that we lived in. it was The rest was all Protestants. But it was just that time of the year that they didn't want to play with us. <laughs> Even to the day, the the days changed. Even while I worked in Gallicers, I had Protestant friends. But when it came up to June and July, you know, they just didn't speak to me. Their Union Jacks was through in front of my face, you know. But hey, they, do. They just seem to change within them couple of, no, within a lot of, with six weeks, like their whole attitude changes towards what you are. You know, it always has been that way as as far back as I can remember.
10: Here am I, a loyal Orange man from Ulster shore.
7: still loyal to the country here and we'll still fight for it here. That's simple as that. Oh, my
2: heart starts to beat. <laughs>
7: well, it's our house isn't it, though? We fought and died for that. Royal. two, two blues, blues, two blues, right? Me and him. This is not awesome. they army, army, UVF, UDA, and I, I, I don't belong to UDA. I don't belong to UVF. We're a soldier to the country. This is our country, level, we intend to keep it that way. I'm not gonna say I don't. It. I hate Catholics. I don't hate Catholics because I'm a soldier, but I'm a soldier. We're in the navy, they These sailors will. Oh my We have known nothing against them. my like Let us alone. Let us be what we are. We're happy to let. Yeah, know, i don't don't let hate them. Nobody at all. It's a celebration of the, the Battle of the Boyne, King William's deliverance of, of Ireland from uh, the reign of King James II. Second. Really think today that most people has turned into sort of a, a celebration of Protestant heritage, really. I think the, the Battle of the Boyne is sort a of distant memory, but it's really just more a celebration of uh, a sort of Protestant culture today to most people, you know.
8: It means a lot. Being a Protestant, it means everything. Because it stands for Protestant religion, and that's what we stand for.
4: I come over every year to say it, the last 50 years, from London, I remember, when I was a six year old, maybe five, and now I'm 76. So I remembered it all those years. Never disappear. Never disappear. No. Oh no. It's, it, it, uh, it seems to me
0: to be getting better. There's more in the bands and more in the lodges, maybe not them all, but in the most of them. I feel proud, actually, this is William Johnson of Ballykalbeg, is on our banner. And uh, William Johnson, of course, in 1850, had trouble with the uh, trade rerouting, and he was a man who stood against trade rerouting. And and uh, it had parades stopped at that time, and of course he stood against it. And the parade started once again. And the leaders of the day could learn a lot from William Johnson of Belakelbeg, who's on our banner. We're on top of the world. We know that we're a special people when we all gather together under the orange banner. Morning.
12: Loyalty, unity in the cause of unionism. They are not only the secret for peace and progress for this province. They are the secret for the desire of the hearts of all but the tiniest minority of all the people of Ulster, and to loyalty and unity in the cause of unionism, I here tonight reaffirm my fidelity, and I call upon all, not only orange men, all unionists, all who are loyal, to show the same unity and the same loyalty in the days ahead.
1: It's a very tiring day, but it's a worthwhile day. As I say, it renews the blood and thunder in you to let you know what you are and who you are and what the men are walking for.